0: This message was recorded live at the Ark Church in Conroe, Texas. We're always encouraged to know that God is using the Ark to bless people's lives. If you have a story to share about how God's working in your life, submit your story by visiting blessing.thearkchurch.com. When uh, companies and uh, athletic teams, they, they share a lot of things in common. One of the things is they have to be effective. And they talk about increasing effectiveness, and so you'll hear them use the term, we're gonna shake things up. That's usually not good for leadership. They say, we're gonna shake things up, that means usually the president's going or the head coach is going. And they shake things up because they want to, they want to change things, they want to increase the effectiveness of the company or the effectiveness of the team. And uh, so that can be a good thing. But this morning, I wanna talk about shaking things up uh, in your life, in your relationships and especially in your relationship with God. You say, you know, that's something that, that uh, I, I know it's, it feels like August. Usually we talk about the summer doldrums. <laughs> We're here in June. But it, uh, it's a great time to think about, I, I want to shake things up. So we'll talk about how to do that. And when we think about shaking things up, we think about some things get forced on us. For example, 2020 was a shake-up year. We didn't ask for it. It just happened. And so it shook some things up, made us change some things, change direction. It was, it was a different year. And so that's something where trauma or tragedy forced a shakeup. A better shakeup is self-initiated. A self-initiated shakeup is you say things like may, maybe, well, I'm going, to, I'm going to get healthier and I'm going to have a healthier lifestyle. So you shake some things up. And maybe what you eat or your exercise regimen. If you do exercise, you know this. You don't stay with the same exercise routine. You change it. And you're shaking things up that way. Vacations, I think, are a great shakeup, especially if you're able to get away. If it's a staycation, it's nice to break the routine. But the idea is that you want to break routine. You don't, you don't want to stay, just keep doing the same thing. You want, you want to do some things differently. If nothing else, drive to work a different way if you can, just to shake things up. And uh, I, I, like, I like change, I like variety, I like to be able to shake things up. How about in our relationships? You're like, uh-oh. uh-oh, shaking things up there. A the lady was in a Midwestern town, she was having a bite to eat outside, and she watched this very unusual funeral procession go by. And there was one big black hearse, and then following it was another big black hearse, and then there was a lady walking slowly behind the hearse, dressed all in black, and she had a, a chain, she was holding a chain and behind the ch- chain was a big, big black dog, huge. And behind the big black dog was about 40, 50 women lined up in single file. And this lady had never seen anything like that in, in her life. And so she went, this, this is the weirdest funeral procession I've ever seen. And so she, she jogged and caught up with the, with, with the lady dressed only in black. She said, I'm so sorry for your loss. Can you tell me what happened here? Lay said, yeah. She said, well, she said, in that first hearse is my husband. The dog attacked him. She said, in the second hearse is his, his mother, my mother-in-law. She tried to intervene and stop the dog, and the dog attacked her. And so the lady walked for a little, she's quiet. She said, so you mean this, this dog back here, he killed both your husband and your mother-in-law? And uh, Lay said, yes. She was quiet for a moment. She said, Duck, can I borrow the dog? And and the lady said, sure, get in line. (laughs) That is not the kind of shakeup we're talking about here. (laughs) No, No, we're talking about not changing the person. What we're talking about is changing the focus and changing some of the parameters of the relationship. We'll talk about marriage, for example. Marriage class, we have marriage classes here at the church. Are they the answer? Well, what they do is they shake things up, cause you to look at things different, to focus different, to change parameters. They're a wonderful thing. And so sometimes in our relationships, we, just, we need to shake them up for the purpose of increasing the effectiveness. That's what we want to do. Now, you say, well, how about shaking up our relationship with the Lord? You're like, well, Alan, you can't shake up your relationship with the Lord. Well, you certainly can't change him. And we're not talking about changing him, but we're talking about changing our approach changing what we do james said it this way james 4 8 it said draw near to god and he will draw near to you cleanse your hands you sinners and purify your hearts you double-minded leave it up there for a second james by the way was not politically correct at all james called it real straight he said if you'll come near to god he'll draw near to you and he said you need to cleanse your hands in other words cleanse your hands what, what you're doing joy talked about hands what you do he said, and purify your hearts, double-minded. In other words, your attitudes and thoughts. So he's saying, but the first part is what I want you to get especially. He said, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. So it's our call to our choice as whether well or not we're gonna draw near to God. That's our call. There's a man, a speaker by the name of Mike Benson who was having dinner one night with his family, had an eight-year-old daughter. She, uh, she left eight green beans on her plate. And usually Mike was pretty good about that. She usually ate her vegetables. And uh, he said, honey, I need you to finish those green beans. She said, I can't, I'm full. He said, well, he said, I don't think, I don't think you'll pop. She said, I'll pop. He said, risk it. She said, I'm just way too full. Now he knew what, what they were having that night for dessert and it was her favorite, her favorite dessert. He said, how about if I give you two big pumpkin pie squares with extra dollops of whipped cream on top she said great she pushed that plate back she was ready he said whoa 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 wait a minute you are too full to eat eight green beans but you can handle a double portion of pumpkin pie squares with whipped cream said how is that going to happen she stood up beside her chair she said This is my vegetable stomach, and this is my meat stomach, and it's full. This is my dessert stomach, and it's empty. Bring on dessert. (laughs) Now, here's the thing I I, I like about that story. This isn't about eating, don't get hungry yet. This is about what you're hungry for, you'll make time for what you're hungry for. When I say draw near to God, you say, well, I don't know if I want to draw. No, listen, there's nobody better to you than God. And stirring up that hunger to say, God, I want to come close to you is a great way to shake things up. Now, I want to give you an example this morning of a guy who stayed in a rut, you won't think about him. You don't think about him when you think of ruts. When we think of Moses, Moses was considered one of the most famous individuals, especially in the Old Testament, well-known. He was, he's a major figure in the Bible. And we don't think about him being in a rut. Born, had an amazing birth. His parents spared him. And he, you know, remember they put him in the little ark and, and Pharaoh's daughter adopted him, called him Moses because she drew him out of the river. He was raised as, as Pharaoh's, like basically Pharaoh's grandson, raised in privilege and wealth. When he was about 40 years old, it came into his heart to go visit his people, the Israelites, and to, and to deliver them. In fact, he was so gung-ho about it, he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew man, and he he killed the Egyptian, buried him in the sand. He went back the next day thinking he was going to be the great deliverer, and and the Israelites pretty much rejected him. They said, I don't know who made you the judge and ruler. You going to kill us like you killed that Egyptian? And Moses became a fugitive. He had to leave. He had to go to Midian, and Midian's kind of like on the backside of nowhere. So leaving Egypt, the most powerful, advanced culture in the world, showing up on the backside of nowhere. backside It's kind of like, ever been between Amarillo and New Mexico? That's kind of what he's in. They had nothing there. And see, he's on the backside of nowhere, and we don't hear or see anything about Moses for 40 years. Moses is in a rut, and God comes to help him shake some things up. Let's read the story. and see this great sight by the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet for the place you're standing is holy ground. Now, therefore, and God begins to talk to him about what's gonna happen. He wants him to go to Egypt and deliver them. He said, now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me. And I've also seen the oppression which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? So he said, God said, I will certainly be with you. And this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you when you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Now this is... A guy in a rut for 40 years, he has been doing nothing but watching sheep. We don't think about Moses being a, a shepherd, but he was for 40 years. Wasn't even his sheep. It was his father in laws sheep. So he's, he's, watch, he's just watching sheep, doing the same thing. Get up, watch the sheep. Go to bed, watch the sheep. Get up, watch the sheep. Go to bed, watch the sheep. Go back and forth. Maybe he took a vacation. I don't know, but 40 years. He's doing the same thing. Same old thing. And he's, he's in a rut. And maybe that dream of his had died about being a deliverer, 40 years. But then God gets his attention. And I like how God got his attention. He got his attention by having a bush. a whole mountain wasn't on fire, a bush. Just one bush was on fire, but it wasn't burning up. And I love the fact that God used the bush to get Moses' attention. He did not break Moses' legs. He did not kill his sheep or hurt his family. I've heard people say that. Yeah, you know, God destroyed my home to get my attention. No, he's not, he's not the destroyer. Satan is the destroyer, God is the blesser. Bad devil, good God. That's not how God gets your attention. And so here's that that here's that fire, and that's how God is trying to get Moses' attention. But then Moses said something very key. He said, I'm going to turn aside and see the sight. I'm going to turn aside. In other words, I'm going to break my routine. I'm going to shake this up a bit and I'm going to turn aside and see what, what, why this bush is burning but not consumed. And when he did, it's when God spoke to him. You see, Moses could have just continued going on going, huh, isn't that funny? Bush is burning. And just kept going. And never done, had never done a thing. But when he turned, when he got out of his routine, when he turned, it's when God spoke to him. And God spoke to him And he called his name, and he said, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. But then Moses had a little challenge. Moses had to get past himself. He'd lost some confidence. Forty years being a shepherd, he lost all confidence in his ability to be a deliverer. I'm sure he's just thinking, well, I could have been, but that day's gone. And so the Lord said, I'm going to send you to Egypt. And he goes, wait a minute. He said, whoa, whoa, whoa. He said, who am I? Who am I, Lord, that you're going to send me? If you read the rest of the story, basically God keeps telling him, it's not who you are, it's who I am, and I'm the one that's sending you, and I'm the one that's going to be with you, and I'm the one that's going to help you in this. So stop asking that question. In fact, the Bible said God got irritated at Moses because Moses kept going, I can't do it, I can't do it, I can't do it. And, and finally God said, I am going to be with you. And he helped him. But Moses had to, had to get past that and he had to get past that. But first, first thing he had to do was he had to stop his routine and turn and hear what God was saying. So, what's that got to do with me? A lot, a lot. Because here's the thing. So many people feel like God's forgotten them. I got good news for you. God has not forgotten you. You are not forgotten. Don't confuse lack of activity with God not being interested in you. You say, well, Alan, how do you, how can you, how do you know that God has forgotten me? I mean, has not forgotten me. What can you... What can you give me? Well, I'll give you this verse right here that says in in Hebrews that said, let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have for he himself has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. God said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. God hasn't left you. I remember the story I heard a few years ago of an older couple, they were driving, they were in the truck and they were driving together and in front of them was a younger couple in a truck and they were just sitting so close together like a two-headed driver. You ever seen couples like that? They're just sitting so close. And she looked over at him. She said, you remember when we used to sit that close? He just kept driving. He said, yep. He said, I haven't moved. <laughs> I think God could say the same thing. We're like, God, where are you? God, wh- what's going on? God, how come? how come I can't just sense you? And God's like, I never moved. I'm still right here. I am still right here. I am still God. I am still here. Here's the the challenge, guys. We have to start looking for evidences of God's presence, not his absence. Instead of looking, where God's not around here. There's no, no one serves God. No one cares about God. Oh, you know, everyone. No, no, there are people, look around right now. There are people right in this room that love God, that care about God, that serve God. There are people all around that God's still doing amazing things. You need to start looking for evidences of his presence. Maybe it's a word, it's a song, it's a message. It's something that you're realizing, God, you're real, you are good, and you are still here with me. I am looking for you and I'm going to find you. Because here's the deal. Because what you look for, you're going to find. What you look for. We had a lady that came in and she wrote me a letter and I hope she comes back. I really do. We wrote her back. And she's like, she's like, I don't, she said, someone gave me a mean look. I don't think this church is used to diversity. And we wrote her back and we said, we're about as diverse as you're going to get in Montgomery County. We are highly diverse. But if you go in looking for someone to look at you mean, somebody's going to look at you mean. If you go in and look in there, I don't like that big church, they're gonna talk about money. We didn't hardly, barely talk about money, but there they did, like, sure enough, they took 10 minutes taking up the offering. We didn't do it. But if you're looking for it, that's what you're gonna find. But if you look for God's presence, that's what you will find. It's everywhere. And if you look for it, you're gonna find it. That's the first one. Here's the second one. Be willing to turn aside in your life. So what do you mean by that? I'm willing to break routine. What do you mean break routine? I'm going to give you a visual. I'm going to come down here and preach. Amen. And I just woke a few of you up. <laughs> you're, like, you're like, uh-oh, what's he doing? What's he doing? He's down here. He's way too close. <laughs> if I'm too close, if he gets going good, he could spit. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. But you know what I did? I just I just changed the context. I just walked down here and changed the context. I changed the routine. You're accustomed to seeing me up there. When I came down there, you perked. You're like, what? 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 What's happening? Is he going to walk back here? He's going to walk right back here and, and just talk. I did that first service, made somebody really really nervous. <laughs> hey. Yeah, I got high fives and hey, brother. And people are like, I hope he keeps going. I hope he's not going to talk to me. But it's like, oh my, I, like I told my wife, we ought not to sit down close. See the guys coming right down there to the front. But here's, here's the idea I just changed the routine, I haven't changed the message. We have to be willing to change our routine and give God a little bit more of us, give him a little bit more of our time. Maybe changing your routine means you get up a little bit earlier and spend extra time. Maybe maybe you've never read Bible 365. You can start, just start with the New Testament. Maybe you've never really prayed or just had a devotional time. You can do that. You can spend time there. So Alan, I'm busy. You're too busy for God? You're too busy for the one that created the universe? For the one who saved you from an eternal hell? From the one who loves you enough to send his son? For the one who can heal bodies and strengthen lives and give you peace and change marriages and work in your family and do something. Nobody else, you're too busy for him. I want to tell you, that's the last person you want to be too busy for. The person you want to begin to pursue. You say, well, Alan, that's, that's changing things up. That's exactly what I'm trying to do is shake things up where you're going, you know what, I'm not discontent to keep doing the same, oh, same, oh, same, old. Oh. I'm going to shake it up. So are you going to go back up there? No, I'm going to stay down here for a while. <laughs> <laughs> Hebrews 11:6 6 says this. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. How many of you believe God's real? Yes. That God is real. Yes. That he's the creator of the heavens and the earth. He is real. And one day we'll have an opportunity if you've made Jesus your Lord to stand before him and spend eternity with him. And he's real and he's good. But how many of you believe he's not just real, he's a rewarder. A rewarder of those who diligently seek him. You say, well, Alan, if I, if I had a burning bush, maybe that would make me seek God. You don't need to be a burning bush. You actually have something better. Moses didn't have a Bible, we have a Bible. We can read God's inspired word. We have the Holy Spirit, not just in a bush, we have the Holy Spirit living in us. Mm -hmm. And you got a burning bush this morning. (laughs) That's me, burning bush Allen, and I'm talking to you. You don't have to wait for anything spectacular. If God's talking to you and going, hey, where you come nearer? where you come closer? Can you just draw a little bit closer? You don't have to quit your job and spend all day in prayer. Just give him a little bit more of you. And it's worth all the time and effort that you'll ever spend. You know what the challenge is? We have to get past ourselves. We have to get past ourselves. Way too many of people are doing this. They're going, well, who am I? Who am I that God would talk to me? Who am I that I, I, I'm just, I'm just a, you're just a what? A child of God? A born again, changed, redeemed, new creation in Christ. You're just part of God's family. Your worth has already been determined. Stop wondering about who am, who am I? Let me tell you something. The Bible says a lot about who you are. But here's what you need to stop doing. Stop talking about what you're not. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm not spiritual. You are spiritual. You're a spiritual being. You are spiritual. You just haven't developed it yet. You ever seen a skinny kid in the, in the gym? I saw a skinny kid one time. This kid, man, he was skinny. You look at that kid and go, that kid doesn't have a muscle in his body. He looks like a, he looks like a, a zipper if he turned sideways and stuck his lip out. You just <laughs> But he does have muscles. He just never developed them. You give him some time in the gym and a lot of protein, he's going to change. He's going to develop. You're a spiritual person. Stop talking about what you're not. Because here, really, that's not the issue. The issue is not, who am I? who he is, who God is. He's good. He's awesome. He loves you. He's merciful. He's kind. He does amazing things. You know, there was a, a missionary years ago by the name of Glad- Gladys Allyward. And Gladys went to China right before World War II, and she's ministering to orphans there. And then when the Japanese attacked China, man, they were, they were wreaking havoc in China. And Alice, And Gladys knew she had to leave. And so she had to leave, but she couldn't leave those kids behind. So the city of Yangqing, where she was, they were the, the Japanese were attacking, and she had to get a hundred orphans out of Yangqing. And as she's going, it's a hard journey. She only had one assistant, a hundred kids. And and it's danger all around, and, and they're killing people. And one night after a sleepless night, she is just in complete despair. Because she knows she's got to get these kids over the mountain and it doesn't look like it's going to happen. And she's just in despair and she's just, what, God, what's going to happen? And the 13-year-old girl said, Miss Gladys, do you remember the story of Moses and how Moses led the children of Israel through the Red Sea and they got out to freedom? And, and Gladys, she looked, she said, yes, child, I remember that story. She said, but I'm not Moses. And that 13-year-old girl looked at her she said, no, you're not. But Jehovah's still God. It's not what you're not; it's who He is. Yes. It's worth shaking things up. It's worth going after Him. And you know the biggest, the biggest and best shake-up phrase you'll ever use. Here I am, Lord. Yes. Here I am. I can relate to Moses. I, uh, I left Texas and went down to. North Carolina, went up to North Carolina, moved my whole family. It's 1989, started a church. It didn't work. And I remember we shut it down and we came back and for, I was 30 years old and I actually thought, and this thought was I'm done in ministry. I'm wrapped, I'm I'm, I'm washed up. I'm done. It's over. And just threw us, but you know the Lord's patient. All he wanted me to do was just turn aside turned to change my routine because he had something good for me but I was like no if the Lord wants to do something in my life he's going to do it so often we think we're waiting on God so often he's waiting on us and I just kept thinking God's going to do it God's going to do it God's going to do it finally I realized God's not going to do it and and I'm going to have to do something here I told the Lord I'll do anything but start a church I'll go anywhere I'll take over a church." You, you give, give me a troubled church, anything. I just don't want to start a church. I, I can't start a church. I was focusing on my failure and what I had done wrong. And boy, you want to talk about something that keeps you off track. All your mistakes, all the things you've done wrong. And I just kept telling the Lord, but the Lord sent a few burning bushes my way. One of them was a guy I worked with at Lakewood, who's my age. He started a church. He said, hey, why don't you come down and be my executive pastor. And you be my number two guy. And I thought, Well, that was kind, but I thought, Lord, is that what you had? I had something different in my heart. I had a different dream. Then I had another, one of my sales managers said, Alan is always going into the ministry. Boy, that caught me. And I realized, man, I'm just, I'm in the same old rut. I'm in the same old rut, doing the same old thing. But you know what I did? I finally, I turned aside. And I got to the full I said, Lord, here I am. I'll do whatever you want me to do. say, that's risky. No, that's faith. Because if I hadn't have done that, I wouldn't have met you guys. We wouldn't have been here. You say, well, God could have got this church started with someone else. Yeah, someone else. Wouldn't have been me. But I had to turn aside. I had to be willing to shake things up. I want to tell you something. When you do, (laughs) when you do shake things up, God will give you a sense of purpose. Oh, man. You start wondering, why am I here? You begin to get a sense of, God, you got a reason for me being here. God has a plan for everybody, not just preachers, for everyone. And that purpose, I want to tell you something that purpose will do. That purpose will, it'll bless you, but it'll bless other people too. God never just blesses you so we can just go, I am so blessed, forget what's happening to everybody else, I'm blessed, I'm happy. He'll bless you so you can be a blessing. What do you got to do? Change something. It's summer. Do something different. Say, I'm going to change things. I'm going to do something different this year. I'm going I'm I'm to shape things up. I tell you, when you do, you're going to find some good things happening. You're going to find God's, all of a sudden God's talking to you and God has a plan for you and God's doing good things for you. And that's where we are. This isn't just for preachers. This is for all of us. This is for family. And you're in God's family. He's got good stuff for you. Would you bow your head for a moment? Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Please, no one moving or looking around. I'm going to have you out here on time. But if you came and said, you know what, Alan, I don't even know if I have a relationship with the Lord. I'm not sure, but I want to be. Or maybe you're like I was. You had a relationship with God and got away from Him. And you're sitting there today going, I need to reconnect. I, I need to get back with God. We're going to say a prayer. I'm not going to have you stand up. You don't have to come down here and shake my hand or anything. We're not going to do that. But we are going to say a prayer. And this prayer is for you. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. No one's looking around. If you say, Alan, that's me you're talking to. I'm not sure where I stand with God, but I want to be sure. Alan, I, I want to come back to him. Would you pray for me? Would you just slip your hand up across the solitary and say, Alan, that's me you're talking to. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your courage. Thank you. Anybody else? Yes Got gotcha. you. Thank you, thank you. Sands have gone up. Anybody say, Alan? That's me. Thank you for that. Yeah, way in the back. Got you. Catch your bowed eyes are closed. We're gonna we're going say a prayer. You can put your hands up. We're gonna pray. Listen, maybe you're you're sitting there today. And you're thinking, man, I didn't I didn't I didn't raise my hand, but I really wanted to. Well, this is a heart prayer. We can pray You can pray right out of your heart. We're gonna pray it with you. You're watching online. You're by yourself. Pray this out loud if you're. With other people, you can pray it quietly. If you're here, pray this out loud. We're going to pray it with you as a church family. You're not alone. Say, dear God, I know mankind needs a Savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I've said yes to you. My heads are still bowed and eyes are closed. Father, I want to thank you for those who've made decisions this morning. Biggest shakeup they'll ever have is turning from darkness to light and turning to you or turning back. And we rejoice with them at the good things that are happening. And Father, for the rest of us, thank you for the endless possibilities and things that are available. With you, all things are possible. Maybe not with men, but with you, all things are possible. Thank you. We can shake it up this summer. We can come closer to you and we're going to see some good fruit from it. We give you all the praise for that. In Jesus' name.